Welcome to our Saturday simulcast here from goldenblack.com. I'm Jordan Jones, joined by Mike Carmen and Tom Deanhart following Purdue's 31-14 loss at Nebraska. would like to thank our sponsor, the Purdue Union Club Hotel. As basketball season nears closer and with a couple of home football games remaining, if you're coming into town, I highly recommend you check out the Purdue Union Club Hotel. It's a first-class place over there. I promise you'll be glad you did. Let's get into it, though. Tom, you were in Lincoln for the game today. A cold one. Hopefully you're warming up a little bit in the press box. What were some of your impressions from Purdue's loss today? Yeah, still up here watching some kids playing football on the field. Um, What were my impressions, Jordan? Not not a lot of positive takeaways. Uh, it's hard to think. This team had two weeks to prepare for this, too, right? Coming off the bye week, it certainly didn't look like it. Um, and I, I guess the, the big takeaway was the continued struggles of the offense, I think. Um, you know, they had 21 points total in the two previous games. Tonight, what, they had 14 and seven of those came from the defense. So that's 28 points for your offense in three games. Not good. Um, the run game, the pass game, uh, it's all struggle. And it seems like time and Ian doesn't, when Hudson Card drops back to pass, it's always this, this frantic, this this frenetic, frantic, you know, uh, scenario where he's he's desperately looking for somebody who's open. Nobody's open. He's moving around, moving around. Maybe he takes off running. Maybe he takes a sack. Maybe he forces a pass. But it seems like the receivers can't get open. And, again, the offensive line is having its issues as well but with protection. So until this offense gets something figured out, it's hard to see Purdue having too much success here down the stretch. No doubt. Mike, what do you make of Purdue's offensive struggles today as they failed to reach 200 yards of offense for the first time of the season with just 195 on the day? Well, uh, Nebraska gave them four fumbles, and they yeah. still couldn't score a lot of points. I mean, that's uh, that is an indictment on where you're at offensively. I mean, Maccabee has the best run of the day for like three quarters, but he fumbles at the end. Um, they, they keep, you know, it's the, the old, they take two steps forward, but three steps back a lot. Either they get sacked, they have a turnover, a bad play, a penalty, and they are beat up on the offensive line They're They have probably what three backups now starting on the offensive line, maybe more. Um, so that they've got struggles there, but you know, Nebraska's got a good defense. Don't get me don't get me wrong, and they do. They've played well other than the Michigan game, but this is not the black shirts of a decade ago either. And Purdue's got to figure out a way to get some offense here. They have some success running the ball, but then they don't. Um, I did like the fact that they, they tried to push the ball downfield today, but it goes back that you don't have those kind of receivers. You don't have the big, tall receivers that can – get open down the field that you can throw it up. Uh, uh, so it's a lot of it to me is personnel, what you have there. And you're just trying to make things work as best as you can. But when you're gift wrapped four turnovers, like Nebraska gave them mm-hmm. and in pretty good field position with some of those, especially early, you, you, you've got to take advantage of, of those things. And then you give up a, a block, a, a block field goal for a touchdown. You know, that never, that, that's never going to end well for, for for any team. So Purdue had a lot of things go against it today, and now you're, just, now you're going into the best opponent you've played this year, and you've got to try to figure out a way to 
you know, their offense is not going to look ne- good next week. I mean, it's just not because of who they're playing and who they have on their side. So they're going to have some, they're going to have more struggles next week against Michigan. Tom, to kind of piggyback on the offensive line there, Purdue saw Muhammad Musa and Jalen Grant both go down today. Were you able to glean anything in the post game in terms of the severity of the injuries to those two? Nothing. You know, Grant did come back in the game in the second half and finished it out. So that was that was good for the line. But Musa did not return. No, I, I didn't ask the coach um, the extent of his injury. Of course, he came into the game questionable. We all remember he got hurt against Ohio State with an ankle. Um, sure, he was still gimpy today, and it got aggravated. I'm guessing. So we'll have to ask about ask the, ask the coach about that um, this coming week. But yeah, well, two backup offensive tackles now. You know, Ben Farrell from Indiana Wesleyan and Daniel Johnson, the former Kent State Golden Flash. I'm not even sure who the number three tackle is right now, guys. If Moose and Bo can't come back, and maybe the kid, another NAIA kid um, named Coley, who they got from a school up in Michigan. So, yeah, that offensive line's banged up without a doubt. And, you know, Mike talked about the offense not once but twice getting set up after Purdue covered fumbles right at the start of the game. They recover the opening kickoff. Can't make get, get can't get any points after it. And then in the second half, guys, they got the ball. They went three and out. They punt it, and then they they force a fumble. They're set up again deep in Nebraska territory, and could get nothing again. So just sort of dispiriting, uh, dispiriting sequences to start both these halves. And you know, coming into the game, I thought everybody thought right. You got to make Nebraska earn all of its its points. You cannot give up big plays for touchdowns. What happens in the second quarter? That 73-yard touchdown pass sort of reminded me of the, the big Iowa run they, they had in the first half that turned out to be the difference in that game. Well, the margin wasn't that close today, but that was just a killer, too, to give up that 73-yard touchdown pass when you knew this was an, uh, a Nebraska team that was going to struggle to throw the ball and, and you let yourself get beat. And then the field goal kicking, guys, I, I guess I'm at a loss at this point. I don't think that was on Ben Freehill. I think there were some issues with the, with the hold. Um, but still, my gosh, man, I mean, just when you thought it couldn't get any worse, it got worse. Not only do they have a block, it gets, gets ran back for a touchdown. You want to talk about a pin in the balloon. I mean, that was it. So uh, on and on it went. Uh, what was a night I'm sure a lot of Purdue fans want to forget. Without a doubt, not exactly a memorable performance up in Lincoln today. A couple of guys who did have some solid games, though. Definitely a memorable performance for Kydron Jenkins. Mm-hmm. Uh, a couple of big plays for him, including a touchdown. And Unless I'm forgetting one, that had to be the first of his career, right? Uh, and Dylan Thieneman as well. Both of those guys continuing what have been really good seasons for the two of them. Mike, any thoughts from the defensive performance today for the Boilermakers? Well, I think overall, and you know, you have to factor in the, the, the touchdown pass in the second quarter. But, you know, the defense kind of held up its end today. You know, they for I mean, and I thought they forced a lot of those turnovers. You know, Dylan Damon's ripping out the ball. They're going after the ball. So there are turnovers that come to you, and then there's turnovers that you create, and you, you get those takeaways. And I thought they kind of did that today. But when you look at the individual performances of Thieneman and Jenkins and 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 Scorton, I thought those guys played well. They needed more to play well. They needed to do a better job uh, in run defense overall. But Jenkins had a 
just a monster game today, and he's going to be moving up NFL draft charts uh, the rest of this season. I mean, he's he's got the body type for it. You know, he plays well off the edge. Uh, he's explosive. Uh, I thought he had a just a, a, a really a, a really great game. You know, the defense did what it could to to put the offense in a position to score. And it just didn't happen. I think there's some, there were some good things defensively um, today that you, you hope that they can build on going up against a very powerful Michigan team next week. But even beyond that, when you get back to teams on your own level with Minnesota, Northwestern, and Indiana, hopefully some of the things they did defensively today can still be there in a couple weeks when they, they hit the stretch run. Yeah, as you kind of mentioned there, you know, Purdue falls to two and six, headed to Michigan next week, will certainly be an uphill battle. I'd imagine that line's going to be somewhere around the four touchdown mark when it opens up tomorrow in Vegas. Tom, where does Purdue go from here? Uh, it has to win out for bowl eligibility. That does not look particularly likely. Uh, what What's kind of your sense of where Purdue goes from here as it enters the final month of the season? I just think again, getting the offense on track and and getting some positive, just some positive uh, game experiences for a, for a program that's very much in transition. Jordan, you talked about their postseason backbeat against the wall, and uh, that that that's what it is. I mean, uh, they're going to be a heavy underdog at Michigan, like you said. So, um, long story short, they're probably going to get that seventh loss next week, and then again down the stretch, you have three winnable games. Mike talked about Minnesota at home at Northwestern, then you have Indiana at home. And, and boy, you, those are three games you think you could you should win. Um, maybe maybe you're a favorite in all three, but you, you just like to get this program on track and finish the season on a high note and, and get, lift everybody's spirits up because there's still a lot of work to do. Mike talked about the defense, how well it played today. And again, back to that offense. And, you know, big plays. Uh, James Franklin talked once about the two things you need are no turnovers and big plays. And and you look at the stats tonight, guys. Purdue had one pass over 15 yards, and it was that touchdown pass to Jaden Dixon Veal, which really took a spectacular catch for it to even happen. And then he had two runs of over 10 yards, one of which was the Mockaby run that Mike talked about where ended up fumbling. So there were no big plays. These guys struggled to get open downfield. And uh, the offense seems to be seems to be regressing. So, and you know Hudson Card, right? Sixteen to thirty-two, two interceptions, one hundred yards, um, one one TD. And um, I think uh, you know he got banged up a little bit there. That's where I got taken out for that one series. But I, th I think he's a little bewildered right now, trying to get get everything sorted out and get this offense back on track. Mike, I'll give you the open mic here first. Any final thoughts from Purdue's loss at Nebraska and where Purdue goes from here? I think where it goes from here is, you know, whatever happens in the Michigan game is going to happen. Uh, there's not, I don't think there's a whole lot Purdue can do to stop it right now. Um, unless the NCAA is going to come down with a verdict on science <laughs> here in the next few, few weeks or a few days. Uh, to me, the, the final month of the season is about uh, continuing your player development, especially on the offensive end, uh, finding out who can – potentially help you you know you're not going to say we're looking the next year but you're looking the next year i mean you, you need to figure out who can be part of this and i would 
to Tom's question about who their third tackle is, I think he's in the portal somewhere right now, waiting <laughs> to be picked up. Uh, so they're going to have to be more cool. cool. But they're going to they they need to they need to to really hone in, I think, on offensive player development this next month and figure out who can help them this year, get them some experience, uh, and hopefully push that in uh, to next season. Uh, I mean, I, there are some pieces there, but they need more. Uh, they need they need some different kinds of players uh, on the offensive side. The, the other question for me is what what happens to Devin Mockaby now, and how much does his carries get limited because he had another fumble today, mm-hmm. and then he didn't get back into the game for I don't know how long. So where does he lose some of his snaps because he can't take care of the ball and at what point, I mean, do you, I, I know they addressed it, but, you know, you really have to hone in on that because those those turnovers are killing killing the offense right now and not giving them any chance. I mean, they have such a slim margin for error. But when you have those kind of fumbles, those kind of turnovers, um, mm-hmm. you really have to you, you have to fix you have to fix that problem this year so it doesn't come back next year. When you're when you're trying to do something in 2024, Tom, I'll turn the mic to you. Any final thoughts yourself from this one before you fill up on Runzas and head on back to West Lafayette? Well, as Mike knows, they always have post game Valentino's pizza, and I had a piece for you, Mike. Thank you. Don't bring <laughs> one. Don't bring one back. Devin Mockby's got seven fumbles this year. He hadn't fumbled for two games, but. What, who else are you going to have carry the ball? I mean, my gosh, uh, he's the one of the few guys that can actually make a play for you. So, yeah, you, you, I thought he had this buttoned up, and um, but obviously the the fumbleitis is back. At least it looks to be back. But you got to keep giving him the ball, I think. So, yeah, you know, ne- next week's a momentous challenge, guys. The the odds certainly are stacked against Purdue. Like Mike said, nobody's going to say you're starting to look toward 2024, but I think you are. Um, you want to evaluate your roster further. And then this is the time, right? I think you, you really find out about your players. Um, I always talk about the adversity, and that's when you find out the most about people, not when you're winning, but when you're going through tough times. And, and your characters reveal at that point. When you're going through tough times, that's when characters revealed. And you can find out a lot about your players during what looks like a real bleak, dark time for the program, right? At least this year. So the staff's got to be mindful of that. Continue searching for solutions. Um, but it is what it is with your personnel. They, they got to try to figure this out and they got to try to make it work with what they've got on this roster, obviously, right now, too. They're, they're, they're going to be very much challenged, though. I think that about wraps this one up. Um, I'd be remiss if I didn't say head on over to goldenblack.com. Uh, lots of coverage from Purdue's football loss at Nebraska today. And all of Brian's coverage, he was down in Arkansas for the basketball charity exhibition. Uh, You'll want to head over to goldenblack.com. We have some great subscription deals right now. And with a month left in the football season and heading into one of the most anticipated seasons in basketball history, there is no better time to become a subscriber of goldenblack.com. Would like to again thank the Purdue Union Club Hotel for their support of our Saturday simulcast. And we will be back to you next week after Purdue takes on Michigan. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. Safe travels home, Tom. Thank you, fellas. Appreciate it.